0: My name is Marcia, and I'm the host of The Center, which is a podcast brought to you by the Franciscan Peace Center, a ministry of the Sisters of St. Francis in Clinton, Iowa. And today we are going to be talking about doing um, anti-human trafficking work, or as some of you may know it, human trafficking work. And the guests that I have who are going to be in conversation with me today um, are Sister Jeanne d'Arc Uns, who is a member of the Sisters of St. Francis in Clinton, Iowa, and Sister Ida Green, who is also a member of the Sisters of St. Francis in Quentin, Iowa. Um, Welcome both Jeanne d'Arc and Ida. How are you today?
1: Just fine. Thank you, Marsha. Wonderful.
0: Um, so I have a few questions for you and, um, I certainly don't want you to take this as being like an academic study in podcasting. Um, let's just be, um, relaxed and do the best we can to answer the questions we have. All right. Okay. All right. So my first question is, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. What ministries have you engaged in as a sister of St. Francis, Clinton, Iowa, and how did you first become involved in anti-trafficking work? Who would like to go first?
1: I'll go first. Thank you. Okay. Um, my name is Sister Jeanne Ans, and I have been involved in the Ministry of Elementary Education for five years when I first began my ministries in Illinois, Iowa, and California. And then I went to school and I became a speech-language pathologist. And I spent 35 years as a speech language pathologist at the Mount St. Clair Speech and Hearing Center, and I retired in 2012. When our community had made a stand against human trafficking, I was just touched by the spirit and I said, I want to do that. I want to help in any way I can. So I joined the committee and I took special training in. Um, kind of going into hotels and teaching the staff all about it. So I went into a hotel and did that. And then I continued to then, um, that kind of is how I got started into the whole thing. Very good. Thank you for sharing. How about you, Ida?
2: Yes. um, I started out in elementary education, teaching primary grades for about six years, and I always wanted to be a nurse. So uh, finally, I got changed to nursing and I was very happy with um, I worked as a staff nurse, but I also um, taught most of my life. In uh, I did one year of uh, a hospital program, a diploma program, and about three years in a bachelor's program. And then the rest of my time I spent in um uh, an associate degree program at uh, Prairie State in Saint, uh, Chicago Heights, Illinois. And I really in, enjoyed that work. Um, I also worked for a few years in uh, uh, initial formation in our community. Now, how I got involved with anti-trafficking is when it first started um, from our uh, corporate stand. And that attracted me um because I had been working as a, a sexual assault hotline on the sexual assault hotline and I knew how what a traumatic uh, experience that was for people and so when I looked at our corporate stands that's the one that attracted me now working in uh, anti-trafficking I first started out with um uh doing the um national numbers hotline numbers and putting them in in bathrooms and that's mainly what i did for that
0: thank you um to go off of that a little bit then um Can you, maybe starting with you, Sister Ida, could you tell us how other ministries that you've engaged in have intersected with the problem of human trafficking, and how have these observations influenced anti-trafficking work for you?
2: Well, um, I said I got interested in the anti-trafficking because I um, worked on the uh, sexual assault hotline, and I became involved with that. Um I was working on a degree in counseling mainly because um, I got free tuition for having student teaching teachers at our school. And uh, I used to take just fun courses. And um, then I thought I just I would uh, focus on counseling. And in one of the counseling sites where I was doing my internship, they had a brochure on um, uh sexual assault hotline and they would do the training and uh, so I worked in that for about uh, 18 years and and I felt that um that did relate to human trafficking because there is a great industry in the, the sexual uh, uh side of the human trafficking. And that really is one of the biggest things. And so um, that's why I decided, I, I thought, that, that's why the uh, when that corporate stand came out, I could really relate to that.
0: Great, I was muted, sorry. Um, Jeanne d'Arc, what about you? Um, have 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 you seen any intersections between the ministries you've done in the past and um how it could um, impact human trafficking um, or do you have other observations that you've made that um are very impactful that you would like to share?
1: Well, I would say that since I taught in the fourth, fifth, and sixth grades in elementary school, Those are the groups that are often, you know, targeted. Those ages are targeted. And I would say that even though I didn't teach very long and I went into speech pathology, my heart was always with those who seem to be more on the marginal, you know, on the margin. And certainly anyone with a speech problem is marginalized because there is a rejection of someone in a way because of a speech disability. So I felt my heart went out to them. So then when I taught, even though it was before, and I was look at the students and say, you know, and then I got pen pals in the regular school here, the Prince of Peace School for about eight years and they were fifth graders. And I would say to myself, as I was started into human trafficking, what if one of these pen pals of mine would be taken? And it is everywhere. You can say, well, it won't happen in Clinton. But we know it is happening here. It's happening everywhere. So my heart went out to thinking of my pen pals being one that might be chosen. And I had some that I thought could very well be groomed because of just the way who they were and the way they dressed and the way they just acted and behaved. I thought, oh, dear, what if that happened to one of them? So it does just knowing a child, there's a possibility that that can happen. So my heart goes out to every all of them.
0: I agree. And if we can provide um, really important supportive systems to the kids that we have contact with, right that, that we spend time with and um, we share um, you know our, our, ourselves with, perhaps we can um, protect them from becoming victims, right? Right. Um, So is there a success story from the anti-trafficking or other related work that you've done that you would like to share with the people who are listening to us today? Um, Since we like to take turns, Sister Jean-Dark, would
1: you like to go this time? Right. When I thought of this, I couldn't think of any specific um, success story. (laughs) Because I don't know, I haven't gotten feedback as to what I, when i taught, you know, trained the hotel people, I haven't gotten any feedback whether they did really catch anybody there at the hotel, but I always have hope that that made a difference.
0: I was just going to ask, do you think that like raising awareness with other folks is a success story,
1: right? That That is in itself, I think, a success story. Yes.
0: What about you, Sister Ida?
2: Well, um. I usually met the person just once, and so it's hard. It's hard to measure success in just one uh, meeting, but uh, and, and sometimes they would they would be very grateful for your presence there. But also, I would um, say I would ask myself after I would meet with uh, any of these victims that. Um, Did I really listen to what was going on with them? Because they all responded differently. They really had a, a, you know, some were very talkative. Some would um, curl up in fetal position and cover their head. Um, It was, the response was very different. And so you had to really, um, there wasn't a certain way to approach them. But I came with. Um, I worked for Pillars Community Center, and uh, so I would bring clothes that were provided by the by the center because they kept those as um, their own as evidence, and then um, tell them the services that were available, like free counseling. If it did go to trial, they would um, send someone as a, a advocate for them, just to you know, just a support person. So. Um, that's the way I, I I don't know. I don't know if it's really success or not, but I really tried to be present and they all responded differently because I had people from, um, eight years old to 63 were the, um, age ranges for me.
0: That's pretty intense. Thank you for sharing that with us. So what do you think are the best ways for people who want to do anti-trafficking work to take the first step towards getting started in this work? Sister Ida?
2: Well, I think they can pray for um, the victims, also the people who do the trafficking, and uh, those who are buyers. Because we would not have human trafficking if there was not a market for it. And and if we can get rid of the market, I think that would be. But um, I think also to just uh, educate themselves on uh, the prevalence of it, um, that it is is a very hidden type of uh, business that it, it's always done in secret. So. We need to know the prevalence of it, um, speak out for other, for other people about it, uh, attend workshops. You know, there may be some in your area. You can look at those up. And uh, if you know someone uh, who is trafficked, um, don't try to do it yourself. You know, just you know, uh, notify the police because they are uh They know the resources. They have people who are trained for that. Um, Those are some of the things.
0: I agree with that. Um, Clinton, actually in Clinton, I can't speak for other spaces, but in Clinton, um, they now have um, a very dedicated individual who is working with law enforcement agencies in the entire tri-state area you know to not only focus on um human trafficking but to focus on other things like um weapons trafficking and narcotics trafficking and we're learning more and more that all three of those types of trafficking you know sex trafficking narcotics and weapons they're all very intertwined right um So it's a lot of hard work, and I think we need some more folks out in the world who are, you know, able to help work to bring this type of problem to an end. Um, Sister Jeanne Arc, what about you? Um, What do you think are the best ways for people who want to do anti-trafficking work to take the first step towards getting started?
1: I would agree 100% with what Sister Ida said. Certainly, if the thought is coming into your mind and your heart, I think you're being called by God to do something. And prayer for all of those involved is absolutely essential. And I would say that education, as Sister Ida said, is the number one thing. You're becoming aware of it and taking any opportunity and every opportunity that comes along. Even to see the movie The Sound of Freedom, which just came out. You know that's a good resource right now. and many people will be watching it and talking about it. So get in there. if you haven't seen it, I recommend to go see it. And um, as I said, follow your heart and it will happen. You will the Lord will lead you and and guide you, and you'll be surprised as to what a difference you can make.
0: I agree. I actually um, went to see The Sound of Freedom, and I wrote an editorial um, for the Clinton Herald, because um, it, if you don't know anything about um, anti-trafficking work, um, it's, you know, a, a step in the right direction. But yes. Luna agrees. <laughs> but, um it also, you know, it's a little problematic, but those are things that we can talk about together and um, I think definitely, you know, heighten our awareness. Um, one of the things, and we're going to go off script a little bit, um, and it might just be me talking who does this, but, you know, one of the forms of trafficking right now that is much more Prevalent than the sex trafficking of minors is the labor trafficking of children. Um, And it's a problem even here in Iowa, you know, um, and and the editorial piece that I wrote um, touches on that a little bit, right? Where, you know, we talk about how 25% of the, the statistics from the government coming out is that 25% of um, children who are smuggled into the United States for trafficking purposes um, are done so for sex trafficking. But 68% um, are done for labor trafficking right and those you know that impacts everything in the food production industry right um you know, all of us probably each and every one of us if we buy food in the grocery store we're consuming food that could have been touched by the hands of children who were brought here against their will right and i think that that's important to recognize as well um because even if even if we think we're doing the work that needs to be done to combat it, you know, we're still, in other ways, um, even not by choice, right, um, contributing to the problem of trafficking. So um, I'm hoping that our group that we have that meets on Tuesdays um, is going to have deeper conversations about this and try to figure out what ways we can, what things we can do to approach this situation. Um, You know, even if we can't make a national impact, if we can start addressing the communities in Iowa who do engage in these practices um, and bring this, you know, heighten their awareness, we can do our part. At least that's what I think, right? Um, okay, so let's do the last question. The last question is, for people who might be listening, what words of encouragement would you share if they are or know someone who might be involved in any type of human trafficking? And this time, I'll let you decide between the two of you who would like to go first.
1: it matter. Hmm? Oh, yeah. Ida, do you want to go first? Oh, why don't you go ahead, Jay? Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, I had quite a few things that they could do. Um, first of all, there is certainly a greater awareness among many people and many people working on this throughout our state and throughout many states. So there are more people always on the lookout and, you know, helping to be aware of what's going on with not... Their own children only, but all children, just keeping their eyes open in the community to see what is going on. And thus, I think even if you get into human trafficking, the chances today are better for you to get out of it than they were a few years ago. And there are resources available and places to go for the healing and wholeness of the entire person that weren't available years ago. So I think there's much more available for them. And certainly you can go onto websites and look at what's happening. Um, we can look at what's happening at the border crossing and do anything we can to assist in the recovery of children that are taken there. And, of course, start with your prayer and end with your prayer. I would agree
2: with what the, uh, Sister Jeanne d'Arc has said. Um, I was thinking if if I came across someone who was, uh, trafficked? What would I do? And 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 I as I mentioned before, I think the first of all, not deal with it yourself, but I'll either call the police or if you have an opportunity to give them at least the national hotline number. Many states have their own hotline number that they can call, but they can always call the national number. It's twenty four seven, and uh, and then you could anyway, th- those were the main two main things that that I thought of that they need to be helped, and they need to know that there is help available. and uh, the the first step would be to get in touch with either I get in touch with the uh, police the agencies that I know or to give them uh, a resource number.
0: I agree with all of that um and then just because I am like an assertive kind of person I would make sure to um remind them right that this yeah. is not something that you know they did willingly that they signed up for that they're they're you know they're still, you know, beautiful, beloved, created human beings, right? Um, And remind them that God loves them, right? So you know, we can, I, I feel that we that it's definitely a positive, good thing to have resources available that we can provide for folks. And if anybody is listening and would like to have access to those resources, um, they can contact me and I'll share that information later on. Um, but the other thing is, too, I think that a lot of people, when they get pulled into this web of trafficking, um, they feel... Guilty, Like it's somehow their fault, you know, and even just a simple word of encouragement, right, will help them take the step that they need to take in order to make the call that, you know, to that number that we share with them, right? Um, and I think that that's important, you know, um, because a lot of people, they keep it tied up and a secret, um, a person who attends our meetings sporadically on Tuesday um it was actually um a victim of grooming, right? and even now, so many years later, it's still difficult for her to talk about because she still internalizes the shame like she did something wrong. And, um, you know, she was to blame for the situation that she was in. And both of you brought up good points, right? That um, there's a market for it. And so as long as there's a market for it um, and the people who are abusers are able to create this atmosphere of shame for the person who is the victim, it's something that's going to be perpetuated for a pretty long time. So do we have any closing thoughts aside from question five?
1: I'm just grateful to be a part of it, of sharing with the people today. And I'm grateful to you for bringing it about. I really am. because It's needed so much. Thank you.
0: you. I'm grateful you said yes. um, And that we were able to make it work with all of the busyness that was going on during the month of July and beyond. So. Yes.
2: And and I just wanted to thank you, too, for bringing to awareness um, this issue, because it is more prevalent than people probably realize. And so I thank you, Marsha, for doing that.
0: Thank thank you, Sister Ida. And thank you for being part of the group. Whether you come in person or you come virtually, um, it is always good to see you. And it's always wonderful to see you, too, Sister Jeanne d'Arc. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Center. The Center is a production of the Franciscan Peace Center, a ministry of the Sisters of St. Francis, Clinton, Iowa. If you would like more information about how you can become involved in anti-trafficking work, you can visit our website at clintonfranciscans.com or you can send me an email with your questions at mthrall.com at clintonfranciscans.com. Music for this podcast is titled Sweet Times by All Bets Off and is provided by Adobe Stock. Our podcast hosting platform is Buzzsprout, and you can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you found our podcast interesting and would like to support this effort as it grows, please be sure to push that like button so that others can learn about our podcast too. Peace.